Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... Everybody, welcome to the His Mighty Hand radio broadcast and podcast. I am Dr. Chet Haney of Highland Terrace Baptist Church with my good man, Austin Anderson. Thank you so much, Austin, for being with us here today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Great. Austin is our new worship leader, been with us a little bit uh, less than a year, and is making a huge impact. We were just talking, Austin, about your band, Devoted. Uh, man, can you just uh, repeat that a little bit now since uh, we've actually got everything live and running? And uh, I want our folks to hear about how that got started. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, been involved in music pretty much my whole life. Uh, and I was studying at ETBU, East Texas Baptist University, out in Marshall, Texas. Nice. And uh, I started there as a music major. Didn't finish as a music major, but mm-hmm. wound up very involved in the worship department. Uh, I was in several ensembles, the choir and uh, the worship band uh, of the department. And yeah. I met several people. We got together, and we just started playing music outside of school. Uh, wow. And got together, did a couple youth conferences, then there were a couple churches in the area who really gave us a shot and said, hey, we'd like to have a group of college kids come lead our worship. Why don't yeah. you come out? So we did a few of those and really just kind of took off from there. When we got back from Christmas break and started the next semester, we discovered, like, we want to do more of this. And yeah. our hearts and minds really just connected in the the field of the ministry there. Yeah, And it just kind of took off from there. You know, you could see that. The first time y'all came to our church, I noticed two things. One was, uh, I guess, relational, spiritual, and the other was actually quite technical. And uh, on the on the spiritual, relational side, I got to see this because I had the privilege of hosting all of you. After church, y'all came over to the house, and in the good Baptist fashion, we had fried chicken. <laughs> and we basically just sort of um, sat down on the couch afterwards and we're taking it easy and somebody got up on the piano and uh, there was a little bit of soft uh, singing going on and I could tell you guys were just really tight I saw a lot of um, you know love in the room a lot of uh, relaxation and laughter and when the music started, I didn't see any egos at all. I just saw a real humble spirit of togetherness between all of you. It kind of came across to me very impressively. Thank you. Uh, we were really blessed from the very get-go. Yeah. Uh, that when the Lord brings something together, you, you kind of don't realize it until you're going along with it. Yeah. And we just really all gelled. Yeah. together uh, we had similar backgrounds some mm-hmm. of us from music and ministry uh, but we all came together with the common goal of okay if we actually do this and take off with it what do we want 
people to get from it. And at no point did it ever come back to us. It always went to all this, all the honor, all the glory is pointed towards God. Wow, you came not to be served, but to serve and to give something back. I think that's a very Christ-like ambition. The technical thing I noticed was that your vocals were just really, um, I don't even know how to describe it, but they were, uh, you know, right. They were, they were tuned very well. They were, uh, harmonizing beautifully. They mixed and flowed so well together. The vocals that morning were really powerful. And we may have discussed this before, but could you remind me, it was that sort of a natural effect of all this gel experience that you're describing or is that something you work on uh extensively to try to to get the vocals so so down tight uh like like they were it's actually a little bit of both um for those of us who've been together the longest in the group uh we've had plenty of time to sing together and go over arrangements and practice different things and we've kind of learned where each other's breaking points are, so to speak. So we build off of that. Uh, but the the funny thing that you and I have talked about before is that day that we came uh, to Highland Terrace for the first time, uh, we had two fill-in members uh, that had never set foot on a stage with us before. Uh, and I was actually a little nervous, uh, which I almost never get nervous, but coming to a new place with new people uh, was just racking my brain that entire weekend. Uh, but that's just goes back to another example of how God brings things together is both of those people who were jumping in with us fell in line perfectly uh, in heart and mind and spirit and just immediately took to gelling with us like they had been with us for Years, Isn't that something? Now, this uh, December, tell us what's going to happen on the first Sunday in December. Yeah, December 6th, uh, kind of a, a kickoff of the holiday season. Right. Uh, I'll be bringing several of them out to Highland Terrace. We'll do a little Christmas kickoff, if you will. Amen. To the, the holiday season as we celebrate the, the true reason of Christmas. Uh, may I say to our listeners, you do not want to miss that. Just mark it down, December the 6th, Highland Terrace, Sunday morning worship. You want to be sure and be here that day to hear Devoted because it's going to be extra, extra special. Now, Austin, tell us a little bit, if you will, about how you got started in ministry about the time you got started, period. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, I was pretty much born into the ministry. You were. Uh, My parents were full-time evangelists for basically the first 18 years of my life. Yeah. Um, And my grandfather was the pastor of our home church for over 43 years. Man. Uh, So pretty much from the time I came home from the hospital, it was ministry all the way for me. Wow. Literally. So um, growing up in that environment... You were saturated with the message of the gospel. Yes. Uh, from the earliest childhood stages of development. It was just all the time. 
Absolutely. Do you think that had something to do with the fact that you began to hear God speak to your heart at such an early age? I do. Um, being around that environment and being exposed, uh, uh-huh. I consider myself, uh, it's a blessing and a curse twofold. Yeah, uh, right. I didn't get to experience a lot of what my later friends in life would of the experiences they were having because I was in church while they were at sports practice or mm-hmm. I was on a church stage while they were out going to a musical or a new movie that was releasing. Yeah. But that adds to the way the Lord was kind of working in my life and speaking yeah. to me because it's all I had ever known. Mm-hmm. So it was really all I was thinking about moving forward. I wasn't thinking about mm-hmm. uh, playing sports and getting a full ride scholarship and going pro or yeah. anything like that. I was dead set focused on ministry and being involved in the church. And you never knew to think about a sacrifice uh, because you were focused on what you already knew. This was your life. Um, well, let me ask you this. Um, you know, not that you haven't sacrificed. I, I didn't mean it that way, Austin. You have, but um, what what would you say to someone uh, who might be listening right now um, about the fact that God is really in charge? You know, of the sequence and the circumstances of our life, and you know, things that we may feel we've missed out on, you know, may actually turn out to be a blessing. Yeah, I would. Just say, uh, don't second guess his plan. Yeah. Uh, because there were definitely times where uh, I was sitting in a Wednesday night choir practice or rehearsal, uh-huh. and I would have friends of mine who were going out to the movies or going to the park to play baseball or something. And I would be like, well, why am I here? I'm not doing much of anything. I'm just sitting here. <laughs> but... It was used for the good. It was Mm -hmm. preparing me for the future. Uh, I was getting musical training that a lot of people didn't get at an early age. And I was getting exposure to scripture that a lot of kids my age didn't have. Yeah. There you go. When we come back, Austin, if you would join us again uh, for another session. I'd like to ask you about um, how that exposure uh, to the Scripture at an early age translated into uh, an individual experience um, in your own life. Would that be all right? Absolutely. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. Uh, We're so glad to have you on our His Mighty Hand radio broadcast from week to week. And we just pray that these uh, conversations that we have could be a blessing to you as well because we don't want it to be all about us we want you to be touched by the mighty hand of god so thank you for listening and now here's the host of his mighty hand pastor chet haney john eleven eleven. i want us to pick up today and we're going to read down through verse 17 that'll be our text for today's sermon would you follow with me as we read along beginning at john eleven eleven. These things he said. And after that, he said to them, 
Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, I pray that you'll give us an understanding sense today of your timing. And the reason why it's important for us as Christians to develop the virtue of Christian patience. Teach us, Lord, the power and the value of waiting on the Lord. That that is not uh, a neutral activity. It's not a, it's not a passive thing. It's, it's an action. To wait on the Lord, we know, requires perseverance and faith and obedience. And I pray that you'll help us to see, Lord, that our ways are not your ways. Our thoughts are not your thoughts. And quite frankly, Lord, our time is not your time sometimes. And we need to learn how to wait on you. So teach us this, Lord, I pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I was hinting around in my prayer to the Lord just now, I want to say to you outright, that's the message today. It's about God's timing. It's about how sometimes we don't understand God's timing. We may not even like it. We may think God is running late. We may think that... Having to wait on the Lord is some kind of a unfortunate negative experience when in fact it's through the waiting that God is preparing something much greater than we would receive if he gave us what we want right now. Did you ever hear about the guy that prayed, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now? Well, that's the way we are sometimes, isn't it? We have a hard time waiting on the Lord And yet sometimes it is in God's perfect plan not to answer our prayer, not to meet our need, not to give us what we so desperately want, not right now. And we feel like the guy that I love uh, uh, to hear Zig Ziglar talk about, actually I love to hear Zig Ziglar. Um, He is uh, such a blessing to me, even though he's gone to glory now. Uh, Zig Ziglar has been an inspiration to many people through his life of 80 plus years here on this earth writing books. Did you know Zig Ziglar wrote his first book? I believe I'm correct about this at age 59. Isn't that something? We think of him as such a prolific author that touched so many people. And yet for many years in his life, God had to prepare Zig Ziglar and he had to grow him and, and bring him to a place where he was ready to be used. 
You know, to get to the place where you're ready to be used of God may require a season of grace and growing and stretching in your life. That's not always pleasant because sometimes when we're growing, we can experience growing pains. And yet God knows what he's doing. Well, Zig Ziglar told about this Cajun cook down in South Central Louisiana who liked to cook food and he, and he cooked good food. In fact, his food was so good that everybody came to expect whatever they uh, tasted from his kitchen was going to be delicious, especially, especially these big fluffy biscuits that he was known for. Well, one day, uh, some folks went into the house and uh, sat down at the table, and they were ready to eat some of those big fluffy biscuits from this Cajun cook. And instead of big fluffy biscuits, they were kind of uh, squatty and and uh, you know thick and chewy and doughy, and they just they just weren't very good. And they asked him for an explanation. He said, "Well, I can tell you what happened, boys." He said, "Those biscuits squatted to rise, but they got cooked in the squat." Have you ever heard of that? Cooked in the squat. That's where that expression comes from. Because before you cook biscuits, at least certain kinds of biscuits, there's supposed to be a time period where they don't go in the oven, where they don't get ready to eat. They have to wait on the yeast to do its work so that those biscuits first can rise. And then when you cook them, they become really fluffy and good. I want to tell you something, folks. There's a lot of Christians who've experienced something like this, you could call it Christians who get cooked in the squat. And the reason we do is because we haven't really learned how to wait on the Lord. And in the season of our waiting and the season of our rising, you may say, and that's something this whole passage is about raising Lazarus. But before Jesus could raise Lazarus, you could say that the bread had to rise. The dough wasn't quite ready yet for Jesus when he first heard about Lazarus' sickness. And that's why we read those verses. I think it's verse 5 and 6, wasn't it, last week? Where uh, Jesus said he loved Lazarus, and so he stayed behind. Isn't that something? We think just opposite of the ways of God. Sometimes we think if God loves me, he's going to answer my prayer. If God loves me, he's going to do what I ask. If God loves me, he's going to come through for me and he's going to do it right now. Well, it wasn't true with Lazarus because Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. When he heard about the sickness of Lazarus, what did he do? He stayed back. He stayed behind. Well, now we see in verse 11, Jesus said uh, to the disciples, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Now, out of this, we're going to see a, a discussion among the disciples and Jesus about the nature of death itself. And we're going to find out something You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 55 that God's ways truly are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His way of thinking is different from our way of thinking. We're going to see that not only with reference to time and patience, as we've already discussed, but we're going to see this with reference to the subject of death. God sees death a little bit different than we do. And he talks about death. A little bit different than we do. And the disciples 
really had to question Jesus. You know, what do you mean, Lord? Are you saying that he's asleep? Because if he's asleep, he'll wake up. As a matter of fact, they mixed their metaphor in verse 12. They said, if he sleeps, he will get well. Well, first they're talking about sleeping as a metaphor of death. And then they say he will get well. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to be literal and talk about sickness and sleep in the same breath. And so Jesus has to just speak plainly. In verse 13, the Bible says Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. And so verse 14, Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now that's blunt, isn't it? Lazarus is dead. Jesus did not use any of our common euphemisms when he said Lazarus is dead. Now, when we say somebody's dead, we don't like to use the word dead. Somehow we try to soften it and we'll say things like, well, he went home to be with the Lord. Or he is gone to his blessed um, reward in heaven. Or we'll use more common and sort of, uh, you know, uh, gruff euphemisms for death. We'll say somebody kicked the bucket or somebody croaked. Have you ever heard that one? It was Bear Bryant, the great coach, who said, if I ever quit coaching, I'll probably croak. And he retired, and later that year had a, had a heart attack and died. He croaked. Sometimes we say somebody passed away, they passed on, or just they passed. You know, why do we use that word? It's almost like playing 42. I pass, you know, fall over dead because you passed. Well, that's, that's a little odd, but it's, it's the language that we use. Sometimes we'll say somebody departed. We'll say somebody met their demise. We'll say that somebody is deceased. You'll even read about somebody who expired like a coupon. You know, is that all we are is a coupon with an expiration date? Well, here's what Jesus says. He says, Lazarus is asleep and I am going to wake him up. I want to ask you to turn in your Bible over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to see a companion passage where Paul also talks about sleep uh, with reference to death. And you'll notice in this passage that Paul um, has a, uh, a very important word to share with us about sleep. Now let's find our way into uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to pick up in verse 13. And read down through verse 18. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. There he uses the same language as Jesus. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of God, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ, praise God, will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain uh, 
shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So there you have it. First Thessalonians 4 and John chapter 11. Look down in verses John, John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus speaking to Martha in next Sunday's sermon says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now the Bible in these two passages, one in First Thessalonians, and one I said next Sunday would be the following Sunday, of course, because J.C.'s preaching next Sunday. But in our next study of John chapter 11, we're going to see Jesus take on a very common question that a lot of people wonder about. A lot of people don't know how to believe concerning this, but we are not among them because we have a certain belief and a blessed hope concerning this question. Is there or is there not life after death? Well, I want to tell you something. If you doubt there's life after death, or if you don't believe in life after death, then you have got a problem with this book, the Bible. Because the Apostle Paul proclaims it, and Jesus Christ himself preaches and teaches about life after death. Look at his words again to Martha. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Now you see, the problem is not the veracity of the word of God. The problem is not in the truthfulness of God's word, the words of Jesus, the words of the apostle Paul. The problem is we as fleshly sinful men have a different way of thinking that God does about many things. It could be about waiting. It could be about life after death. It could be about a lot of things. But Jesus plainly states here, there is such a thing as life after death, and it is all about me. Now, can I point something out to you in, in, uh, in light of all this? Jesus is uh, in charge of the timetable. He's completely comfortable with the rhythm and the schedule of how things are happening. He is purposefully staying back two or three extra days so that he can go when you might say Lazarus is good and dead. Uh, no question about it. As a matter of fact, Martha's going to tell him uh, in our next sermon that by this time, Lord, he stinks. In the King James Version, it says he stinketh. And because of all this, Jesus is now ready to proclaim something that I think is very fascinating. It's in verse 15. I want you to look at this. I'm about to show you what makes Jesus happy. Now, don't you want to make Jesus happy? Of course we do. Well, here's what makes Jesus happy. Our desperation makes Jesus happy. (laughs) Did you know that? Look at verse 15. Jesus, after saying plainly to them, Lazarus is dead. Notice what he says here. He says, I am G-L-A-D glad for your sakes that I was not there. I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad I didn't come through in the clutch. 
I'm glad I wasn't there for Mary and Martha when they needed me. I'm glad I wasn't there for Lazarus when he needed me. Why would Jesus say such a thing? Only because of this. Only because he had something in mind that was far, far better. Now, we don't always see that. And we don't always understand that because we don't always, quite frankly, think like God thinks. We think like we think, and we'd like for God to join us in thinking like we think, and we'd like for God to come through on our terms and on our timetable. But that's not God's intention. Because God may have something far better for you. God may say something like this to you. Chet, I'm glad you fell and broke your elbow. And Chet, I'm glad, by the way, that you got lymphoma. And Chet, I'm glad, by the way, that you had to go through the death of your father. And Chet, I'm glad that you had a tornado. And Chet, I am glad that you got sued. And Chet, I am glad that you have been through this COVID crisis. Now, Jesus, why would you say all that to me? Only because of this. Because he is planning something great. And because of our suffering, and because of our difficulty, and because of our consternation, Jesus is going to be able to reveal a glory that is beyond imagination. And here's his motive. Notice clearly what he says. I'm glad that I was not there. For what reason? What does it say? Verse 15b. That you may believe. Now this is the driving force of our entire message for today. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 